Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show on a Wednesday. News Radio 1070 WKOK. Matt Catrillo here with you. Steve will soon be there from the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, all new pre-owned inventory. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury or sunburymotors.com. Uh, the uh, did you get a look at the suits final four bracket? I haven't actually. If Furman against High Point, I had to. Pro- I, <laughs> he said he liked he, that when it came to Furman. It's because he really likes the purple color of their jerseys. Oh, is that right? I'm sitting there like, what? What are we doing here? I found it to be a frightening moment. Wow. But, yeah, it's, I said, you know, they weren't in the tournament. Now, he's got the dog sitting next to him. I saw the picture, by the way. Oh, you did? I did, which is nice. It sounds like he's doing pretty well. Yeah, that, that's what I've been hearing. Uh, this is Michelle's dog, right? Yes. Yeah. Bowlers. Um, Sounds like he's doing pretty well. He said he's yeah. had, had a little bit of a rough time. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, to his credit, he's bouncing right back, and it's good. It's good. See, I'm, pay, I'm paying attention, you know. I'm paying attention to what's going on. I see that. You know? It's... Sorry, my computer screen was a little loose in terms of the plug, so I had to... Oh, good. I got another mother protection from McAfee. It's great. Fabulous. <laughs> all right. This is what you, you know, all the pluses of, you know, you know having the suit saying it's okay to, to work here. All right. Um, <laughs> wow. So... I'm telling you, when Doug does that piece, S U I T suit. M O U L E D. That spells falda. I'm telling you, we're gonna have suit. It's gonna be great. <laughs> oh yes, it's gonna be great when Doug does that. 
Uh, today, Greg Murphy's going to be on the show, Tony Knopp on the show, and Chris Mack. We're going to depress the audience, but we're going to do this because the Pirates on this particular day are currently tied for first place. So we figure we'd take advantage of it while we could. <laughs> take advantage of it while we could, and then we'll we'll move on from there. Uh, the final four is set in both men's and women's basketball. Uh, and I don't quite know what Michigan was attempting to do last night, but that's okay. That's you know, but they missed their last eight shots, and you normally don't win when that happens. Gonzaga is Gonzaga. Simple as that. Gonzaga is Gonzaga. They they pass the ball well, well coached, can beat you at both ends of the floor. Ball movement is exemplary on that team. And they've got UCLA. If you think Gonzaga is going to back down now when they've got a brand name in front of them like UCLA, which probably has refused to play them forever, uh, think again. And then the other half is Baylor and Houston. Now, Baylor's the better offensive team. Houston is a terrific defensive team. Now, that's one side. Now, the other side is Stanford, South Carolina in the women's tournament, Arizona against UConn in the other game. Now, the women's tournament games will start at 7 o'clock on Friday night on ESPN. Then the UConn games, the second game with Arizona at 9.30. The men's games, I believe, I want to say start at 5 o'clock on Saturday. That'd be and news to me because usually they're what? They're usually 6 and 8.30 if I remember correctly. Yeah. Let's see. Um, you are right. 5.14 is Houston and Baylor. 8.34 uh, is UCLA Gonzaga. I'm surrounded by doubters. One thing after another. I keep checking boxes. So that's the story there. Now, let's get to something else. Today, for 30 minutes, Mark Emmert had a press conference surrounding the NCAA women's Final Four. And he did something today that I just sat back and just irritated me so much. During his press conference today, um, He talked about the inequities raised during the tournament. And let's see, where's his quote? 
essentially what his quote Which was. Which one do you is want he, to start with? <laughs> no, I want to start with the one where he throws the staff under the bus. That's the one I want to start with, the one where he throws the staff under the bus. You are the leader. You stand there and you take the fire. You stand there, take the criticism. You talk about it from a personal point of view. In private, if you want to get to your staff, yes, but you do not ever throw the staff publicly under the bus. You take accountability. Now, behind the scenes, you want to be upset about it? Talk to people in charge, find out what happened? Okay. But in public, you don't do that. See, there's that, there's stupid and there's tone depth, and this is both. <laughs> we let them down. There's no reason why he was asked about the logos. They can decide that's fine. Final Four usage, you know, because women's is put in front of it. They can talk about that. That's fine. He said, It's pretty evident we dropped the ball in supporting our women's athletes. We can't do that. That failure should not exist. Don't throw the staff under the bus. Okay. Don't do that. And he does it. Takes a step. Who knows what the circumstances were? We don't know what the circumstances were. But he has to take responsibility for it. It's always, we need to do better. No, you need to do better. Okay? Tone is set from the top. Now, I know there are a lot of fans in Pennsylvania that are big Mark Emmert fans, so I'm sure I'm going to get some blowback about that, but it's okay. No? You're not getting it from me. I think he's the definition of an inept leader, and those TED Talk videos... They should do one on him on what not to do as a leader. It's unbelievable. He's unreal. This is the one that gets me. We let them down. He added that the women's basketball community has to determine specific improvements, It wants, but it wants to, quote, pick up and run with as the sport moves forward. <laughs> I just I just have to laugh at him now, Steve. I, I really do, just because. Well, you know when he does a press conference? You know what he does? He'll do an hour. Okay, he does an hour. For the first 40 minutes plus, he talks. Then he opens it up for questions. Just get up there, make a statement, take questions. But he dominates it with a monologue to the point where everybody in the room is like, oh, for God's sakes, you know. You can't do that. 
That's why I always love when, when we watch these press conferences now. It drives you crazy. You know, they'll go through mumbo-jumbo, mumbo-jumbo, and then finally five to seven minutes in, the point of the press conference comes out. Just start with a point. Go from there. It'd be amazing how much shorter it is and I just get get to the point. All right. But I saw that today. I said, he took his staff and threw him under the bus. No good! No good! No good! It's almost like Emmer and the corner office dude went to the same TED Talk. <laughs> now that's even an insult to the corner office. That's true. <laughs> I want to apologize because that was all me. I said that. I, I feel badly now. That is true. I shouldn't have said that. Even though there are days. <laughs> You notice he was on the phone in the picture? Actually, I didn't, but that's not surprising. You notice the dog was asleep. Back with more in a moment. (laughs) On News Radio 1070, WKOK brought to you by Sunbury Motors. That'll do it. Gonzaga is going to the Final Four. They are unbeaten with history in their crosshairs. Cuts commercials, call the game. He could have gotten one during that game last night. Jeesh. They're just that good. And Harlan's great, by the way. He is great announcer. Not good. He's great. Um, and uh, look, that's just how good you, uh, Gonzaga is. Who's good. Now, they've got to finish the job. I mean, you can be really good and not finish the job. And obviously, we go back to Kentucky, which uh, lost to Wisconsin in the national semifinal. Um, could not finish the job. So Gonzaga's now got to finish the job. Nobody has finished the job in men's basketball and defeated since Indiana in 76. And to show you how precarious it can be, Indiana, the 75 team, was awesome, but then Scott May got hurt, and he lost to Kentucky. I want to say in a regional final. So they are. And, of course, we know Jamari Wheeler, by the way, announced that uh, was going to uh, is, uh, decide to transfer to Ohio State. And he made that announcement last night. Myron Jones, of course, says he's done. We don't know about the other players. Now, Myron Jones is going to transfer someplace else. But we don't know... Um, After that, I don't know. I will freely admit I did talk to John Harry yesterday. I'll also freely admit to you I didn't ask him. 
We talked about other things. I just didn't think it was the right spot to say, hey, Johnny, what are you going to do? Mm, well. Now, other people, when I saw Nick Colella and Taylor Battle, I talked to them as professionals on the staff about them being retained on the staff, and they told me what the deal was. So that, so before Micah announced it yesterday, I knew. And I already had talked to Greg Miskinis, and I talked to Jonathan Salazar. But when I saw John here, I didn't ask him. If he wanted to volunteer or something, fine. I wasn't going to ask him. Um, then you look at Florida. Have you seen the Florida situation? Mike I... White at Florida. Mike White at Florida. Five guys are in the transfer portal, but that's not unusual. Do you realize the last 18 players he has recruited, 12 have put their names into the transfer portal and left? It's probably not an, how you draw it up. He, he he lost an entire class 2016 to transfer. He lost an entire class 2017 to transfer. And he lost everybody but Keontae Johnson in the 18 class. He's lost 12 guys to transfer out of the last 18 guys he's recruited. There's no coaching change there. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. We'll talk about a first-place team in the next half hour. I wanted to, I wanted to mention to Michelle about the dog, who's just a, a beautiful dog. I see him sitting there in the corner office with the suit. Hasn't the dog suffered enough? <laughs> Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show. On News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Fabulous new inventory. Great lineup of pre owned inventory, all with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. It's all at Sunbury Motors. 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. As a show that likes to accentuate the positive, we bring in Chris Mack because, Chris, on this day, the Pirates are tied for first place. Don't really know what they're talking about. You came to the right place. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> uh, uh, so in spring training, Adam Frazier, Cabrian Hayes, and Kevin Newman combined for 63 hits. Uh, now, look, that at least is some sort of, I mean, like, they could all go for four tomorrow, and then you know, obviously things go down the drain. But at least you feel like there's some sort of nucleus there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's very easy to dismiss spring training stats, right? You know, I remember two or three years ago, Jung-Ho Gung hit, you know, like 12 home runs in spring training, and we all thought, okay, here's the return of Gung, and then he hit 198 and was DFA'd halfway through the season. So, right. um, 
you know, it, take it with a grain of salt. They're, they're, but I think if it weren't guys, like you said, that already were forming the nucleus of this team, if they, if they were more outliers, then you would look at it and say, eh, I don't know what we can take of that. I think in Hayes' case, you can certainly look at it as something promising. Um, when we talk about Frazier, I think it's a good sign that maybe you can get some offensive production from him. Uh, couple that with a couple of gold glove nominations over the last couple of years, and you might be able to package that up with a pretty little bow on top and sell it at the trade deadline for something. And with Kramer, or excuse me, Newman, pardon me, um, you, you may eventually have enough offensive production to make up for his deficiencies with the glove, at least at shortstop. So I think all three of those guys, it's, it's, it's a whole lot better than watching them hit 150 during spring training, that's for sure. Oh, no doubt. I just think even if they continue it into the regular season, the concern is going to be even if they're able to produce offense, this pitching staff is going to have a lot more downs than ups. Um, and there, there's going to be games where they take a 5-3 lead into the sixth inning and it falls apart. Or maybe mm-hmm. they don't even get that 5-3 lead. They're down 7 nothing early on. You know, There's going to be a lot of ugly games this year. And I just hope that those young guys – who hit well in spring training, especially Hayes. Uh, you mentioned Newman. Reynolds is a part of that. Sure. I hope those guys don't feel – there's going to be discouraging moments, sure, but on the totality, discouraged by that the, the many more downs than ups that are coming because I think Hayes in particular is at the core of the next contending Pirates team, even if it's four or five years away. Where's the power come from? Uh, you hope Gregory Polanco uh, can turn exit velocity into home runs. Yeah. Um, that That's really, you know, uh, it, it, and you hope he makes a whole lot more contact than he did last year. That's the key with him is is make sure, you know, he's, he's in spots where I think he needs to be reminded that, uh, yes, your, your most value to the team is when you're turning on balls and, putting them over the Clemente wall. But if you think about it in in that way, when you go to the plate, you're going to strike out 200 times this year. So go to the plate with the intention to make contact and drive the ball hard wherever it's pitched, and you might be able to turn that into 25 home runs. And that, again, I I hate to make everything about deals at the deadline, but if Polanco produces well enough, maybe you get somebody who looks at it and says, all right, we'll take a flyer on that guy. He looks like he may have gotten some things together finally. To be honest with you, you're just being realistic about it. Chad Cool gets the opening day start. He gets it because Stephen Brault won't be able to make it. The reality is they are both either fours or fives. Brault yeah. and Cool are either four or fives, and that's your one. And yeah, at that four or see, fives. Yeah. See, and that, that, to me, that's where the problem comes in. The problem comes in is that the May kid is the fifth starter for the Dodgers. Right. right, and he'd be I one, mean, two, and three here. They start mean, him every other day. In, yeah, in Pitt, in Pittsburgh, they'd have a parade for him. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean that's a big problem. They, I mean, they don't have much there. And so, your thoughts on that? And then let's add in what's the, what's your thought on Mitch Keller? Well, that's uh, you, you kind of led me right into it in talking about the rotation because he should be your one. Now, I understand he he doesn't have a ton of major league experience yet, but based on where you drafted him. Um, he should be your one. And he had one good start this spring, and it was the last one uh, a couple days ago. And even that contained four walks in three innings. So, you know, he's going to have an up-and-down year as well. He's going to have starts where 
He looks like he did in his last couple of starts of September where he lights out. He's going to have starts where I bet he gets bounced after two and two-thirds because he walks six yeah. guys and, and, and gives up five, six earned runs. Uh, he's not a, a, a number one. I think he can be a future three. Sure. And, I, I, you know, much like I said about Kibrian Hayes being at the core of this team the next time they're a contender in four or five years, I think the the starting pitcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates' next playoff game isn't on the roster or even in the organization right now. He's pitching at Vanderbilt, and his name's either Kumar or Jack. Right. Like that's so that that's what, I mean. And to be to be honest, that's the way you have to look at the rotation. Is hopefully you've got enough arms to get you through a season. Maybe you get a little bit of development out of Keller, and you know maybe you get an opportunity to see a little bit of you know Miguel Yajures, who, who you got in the Tyone deal. Um, because outside of that, it, it's a whole lot of promise throughout the organization and not a lot of anything at the major league level. How disheartening is it that you feel like you're you're back 10 years ago? You know, it's it's not so much and this is the scary part I think for the organization. It, it's not so much disheartening for really hardcore baseball fans, for pirate fans, for people who've been watching this team like I have since I was, you know, 6 years old in 1985 watching Joe Orsolak play left field That's in a pillbox hat. That's you true. know, I I, I I have become numbed, to be quite honest. I still appreciated the three years that we had, um, and certainly I appreciate the years when I was you know a teenager in the early '90s, and yeah. and we were getting that. Um, I, I think it's it's just it's a way of life for sports fans now here in Pittsburgh that um, the Pirates, to be quite honest, they're they're a bit of a they're a, a sideline you know to what's going on, and, and for a Pittsburgh sports fan. This might be the perfect summer for them to go in the tank even farther than they have because there's a chance the Penguins could be playing hockey all the way through June and even into early July, uh, the way they've played lately, and then the Steelers start training camp. So you've got an opportunity to distract yourself all summer from the Pirates if you really want to. But I think you know there's a difference between the hardcore baseball fan, Pirates fan in Pittsburgh, and the average everyday sports fan. Um, The average everyday sports fan... Uh, says, wake me when they're competitive again. Uh, the hardcore, the hardcore baseball fan, I think, is is watching for some of those things that I mentioned. The the continued development, you know. Yeah, uh, but if you're a hardcore Pirates fan, do you throw your hands up at any point? Like I said, I think if if you're a hardcore Pirates fan or a hardcore baseball fan in this town, you've kind of grown numb to it uh, because mm-hmm. it doesn't mean you don't get mad anymore when they lose a ball game or if they pull a personnel maneuver that you think is silly. You still get mad about it. But I don't know if the same passion burns there that there did even six years ago. You know, mm-hmm. Or go back to... It, you know, I go back to 2010 because, like you said, you know, 2010, 10 years ago, when Clint Hurdle was taking over, was probably the last time the, the organization was this low. Yeah. Um, and when I think back to 2010, I mean, it was the same thing. It, it, it was, you know, oh, wake me when they're competitive again. But if I'm a baseball fan, I'll keep an eye on things to see how, you know, the Andrew McCutcheons and Neil Walkers and Pedro Alvarez's of the mm-hmm. world are coming along. Sure. And then when they did hit a few years later, 
I mean, we all saw the 2013 wild card game. The city was all in, and it was oh, just goodness, it was yes. manic. Yes, you know. Yes. So that'll happen again when this team. And, and, and I, I believe in Ben Sherrington much more than I believed in Neil Huntington at the end of his tenure. I don't believe Ben Sherrington's afraid to make mistakes like Neil Huntington was for much of the last four or five years of his tenure. Uh, and so I think yeah, there will be figurative swings and misses on personnel, but I think he's going to hit the occasional home run. And because of that, they will develop pretty quickly. And I think in four or five years, four years, we're, we're, we're talking about a team that's competitive. And maybe in five years, this team's back in the postseason with Cabrian Hayes winning gold gloves with, like I said, Kumar Rocker or Jack Leiter as their number one starter. Those are the things that you have to hang your hopes on. And if it pays off in four or five years, then again, you'll see the city blow up and become a baseball town again as long as it lasts. Uh Something I think that's going to be an indicator will be the TV ratings. Uh, Pittsburgh has been a great TV market, where mm-hmm. in the NHL, Buffalo is usually number one in local TV ratings. The Penguins are usually second. Yep. Uh, out of thirty-one, the current 31 teams. The Pirates' TV ratings, in terms of the rating, has been really good over the years. So to me, it's not just the attendance in the park, because that's going to be hard to judge with, with obviously, with COVID. Sure. To me, an indicator is going to be TV ratings. What do you think of that? Because if you start losing interest there and people aren't watching your product, will they come back? Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think last year is a, is, a, is hard to gauge because yeah. I think people wanted anything they could get as far as sports went sure. by the time baseball started in July. Uh, I think if you go back to 2019, you're right. This is a team that traditionally does pretty well in the ratings. And 2019 wasn't exactly filled with a ton of promise. Right. Uh, everybody kind of knew with the, that this was a 75-ish win team. Uh, and yet, you're right, people tune in. I think a lot of folks who are frustrated with ownership still will tune in rather than go to a game to fulfill their fandom. Because oh, okay. the, that, that's their form of, I guess, silent protest, even though they're still supporting the team and and the the television deal with AT&T Sportsnet via, you know, uh, watching the game on that network, um, they feel like that's their ability to try and stay plugged into the team without necessarily giving the direct financial commitment to the owner, who a lot of people feel like doesn't spend that money commensurately. Uh, so I think, I think that has something to do with it. I, I do still think, like we've talked about before, you know, Pittsburgh is – People say, is it a hockey town? Is it a football town? Is it a baseball town? It's a front-runner town. It's a winning town. If if you're not winning, and and look, I've grown up here all my life. Mm -hmm. Um, Other than the four years I lived in State College and a year in North Carolina, this is where I've lived my entire life. Um, And I will attest to that openly and honestly. It is a front-running town. We love winners in Pittsburgh. Uh, And if you're not winning, then you know what? Go to your room and let us know when you're interested in being good again. Yeah. Which now brings up this element. Derek Shelton's heading into his second season as the manager of the Pirates. Do we have any idea what kind of manager he is? Do we have any idea whether he's a good manager because of the personnel he's been handed? Yeah, I don't know if we can accurately gauge whether he's quote-unquote good or not yet, and I don't even know if we'll be able to gauge that after this year. I think what's more interesting to me is does he remain consistent in his philosophies, right? I mean, this is a guy who loves to uh, tinker with the lineup based on individual metrics for that given day and individual matchups. And, I, I, hey, if your program uh, from the bottom all the way up to the majors, both in development and coaching and management, is going to be based on individuality and everybody's got their own plan, 
I'm all for that. Stick with that. Read the metrics. Look at them and say, hey, today you're hitting third and you're hitting sixth. Tomorrow it might be vice versa. And as long as there's a consistent message and philosophy about that, I'm fine with it. What drove me nuts about the last couple of years of the Clint Hurdle era would be having him explain things one way and then getting the action in reverse the next day or questioning him about a strategic move and him coming up with an excuse after the fact in the post-game press conference. Um, I don't get that vibe from Shelton at all. If Shelton screws up, he's going to say, yeah, you know what, I probably shouldn't have done it that way. That's on me. Uh, and that's the vibe I've gotten from him at least so far, and I think we'll continue to get. Um, he's he's not some pie-in-the-sky uh, desk filled with motivational books kind of <laughs> raw, raw guy. Um, he is a down-to-earth guy who scratched it out for a couple of years in the minor leagues, baseball-loving enthusiast who wants to win games. And I think it'll be interesting to see what come, when push comes to shove, and he does have a better team to field in a couple of years. That's when I think we'll start to get an accurate gauge on whether he's a legitimate major league manager or not. Does he relate well to the younger players? I think he does. Um, I haven't had the opportunity, unfortunately, because of everything in the last sure. year, yeah. to be around uh, him and the players on the field or in the clubhouse. Um, but from everything I can tell and from talking to people, yeah. uh, there is a different vibe around him when he's around the players than there was with Hurdle. Hurdle became very detached from the players in the clubhouse in his last couple of years because he felt in his mind he had veterans in that clubhouse to maintain the temperature in there. Uh, and then when the veterans departed and he didn't have them anymore, it was tough. And you saw things go off the rails in the second half of his final year here because nobody was monitoring the, the temperature and the atmosphere in the clubhouse outside of a couple guys who really had never weren't experienced at that, like Joe Musgrove, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think Shelton does a much better job of that without being overbearing. Um, he, he's He's got some connection, I think, with a lot of guys, and it's just enough of a connection to impart his philosophy, which, again, is, hey, let's go out, let's work our butts off, and let the chips fall where they may, without ever actually acknowledging that they're not very good. He's essentially saying, hey, we know we're not very good. We're going to go out and do our best to try and win some ball games." Well, we certainly don't want to, you know, be overbearing with your time here uh, and talking yeah. about a team that currently is tied for first place. Yes, the magic number is 162, Steve. Get the numbers up on the wall. We'll peel them down one by one. A month from now, it's 154. <laughs> All right. uh, Chris, always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks for the time. Uh, thank you, Steve. Always appreciate it. All right. Appreciate Chris Mack very much. We'll come back with more in a moment. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia. Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mirth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all 
applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way? The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Greg Murphy in the next half hour. Love Stories with Murph. It's a podcast. And we're going to be carrying it. As a matter of fact, the first podcast is going to uh, feature conversations with Phillies Hall of Famer Mike Schmidt and Charlie Manuel. Not bad, huh? Matt Breen's going to stop in, share his outlook on the 2021 Phillies. And uh, the release date is tomorrow, opening day. Yes, very exciting times for us here at SPC. Opening day. Yeah. Phillies are like the Pirates, tied for first <laughs> on this day. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, opening day. I went to opening day once. It was 1977. My brother-in-law, Brian, and I are sitting in the bleachers at Fenway Park. You know, Look, I was in college at the time. The bleachers were what I could afford. And this is the day that the the debut day. Now, the Red Sox are playing the Cleveland Indians. And the Indians won the game in extra innings, in 12 innings. But it was also the debut day for Reggie Jackson and Don Gullett with the Yankees. And this guy, I don't know five, six rows in front of us in the bleachers. Gets up and looks at everybody and throws his arms in the air and screams, Reggie Jackson and Don Gullett forever. Now this is where I sat back and go, I am not sitting out here ever again. People beat the pulp out of him. I mean, like, like I was like, what the heck is wrong with people? I realized it was late in the game. There was maybe consumption of some beverages. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, what am I, 19 years old at the time? I'm looking around like, what the heck is this? You know, of course, you know, the security came in, police came in, had to break it up. That's my opening day memory. Yeah. Wow. Now, turned out... Red Sox and Yankees were both good that year. I think the Yankees won it by two and a half games, something like that. The Yankees won the World Series that year. Then came back and won again in 78. But, yeah, that's the one opening day I've been to. Unforgettable. I, I, I couldn't believe these guys. Like, just let the guy yell. Who cares? Oh. Sad. Very sad. So we've got glove stories with Murph. Meanwhile, we found out that when the dog was asleep, it was the suit was telling his greatest broadcast stories from Shikalemi football. <laughs> hey, Michelle, the dog's been through a lot. I mean, you made this choice? I know you love the dog, but 
I think you're going to love the dog more, not let the dog hang there. 